we've been working our way through the lessons for Vacation Bible School in the message series, and today we're going to look at day four, where Jesus heals the ten lepers. And the theme for this lesson is Jesus is full of healing. Jesus is full of healing. Say that with me. Jesus is full of healing. When I was a kid, um, my parents would fight a lot, and there was mostly shouting and name-calling and verbal violence, sometimes physical, but mostly verbal. As a kid, though, I didn't know any better. I just thought that's the way all families were. I thought that's the way all households were. Uh, It's all I'd ever known since before I could remember, and I just thought that's the way it was. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older and you got old enough and you start spending time maybe going over to your friend's house with their families and maybe having a sleepover with them. And, you know, I was like, wow, you know, it's always quiet here (laughs) at their house. And I thought, well, you know, they're just being on their best behavior because my parents would do that too. When they had company over, you never did anything, you know, that you might want somebody to, somebody might talk about you. So, um, but after a while, I started to realize that Parents don't always fight like mine did. And eventually, I realized my family was the unusual one, not the other way around. Families aren't supposed to fight all the time. But that's the way it is when you grow up in a situation like that. Well, I hope you had a a, a great family growing up, but there's something that we all have in common. We all live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. And that's all we've ever known. The only world we've ever known is full of families that are broken. It's a place where people get sick. It's a place where there's cancer and heart attacks and strokes happen and people suffer, people die. We just think that that's normal. That's life. But that's not the way God wants it to be. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's it's only because of human sin that has wrecked the world around us, that we experience this world the way we do. Well, Jesus came to fix all that, to make the world right again. Jesus is Lord of all the earth, and everywhere he walks, the kingdom of God reigns. And it even begins to break into our broken world. In the Bible, we see a a lot of stories where Jesus healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, caused the lame to walk, and it, it was the natural thing to happen. You see, there is no sickness or blindness or lameness in God's kingdom. And so when the king of that kingdom comes, these things are banished from his presence. And what is it that we heard Jesus say so often in the Gospels? He said, the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, it's right here. It's right here breaking in. And so that's why as the kingdom of God began to break in, we see people being healed. Because there's no sickness in God's kingdom. There's no blindness or lameness in God's kingdom. Whenever it comes in its fullness, all of those things disappear. And so we're going to hear a story about one of Jesus' healing today and talk about it. This one comes from Luke chapter 17 and verses 11 through 19. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. 
As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? And no one retur- has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Leprosy is a terrible disease. People with leprosy had sores all over their bodies. Sometimes leprosy caused people to go blind or to limp or to hurt very badly. It also made them very lonely. The disease was very contagious, so lepers couldn't be around other people. They lived as outcasts in camps together away from the rest of society. They even had to live apart from their own families. And any time they went away from their leprosy colony, they had to ring a bell and they had to yell out to everyone that they they came across, stay away, stay away, I'm unclean. It was so embarrassing, shameful. And and, and it was shameful for another reason as well. Besides the fact that they were deformed and that they felt terrible and that they couldn't be around other people, in those days, people also thought that someone got leprosy because they'd done something bad. People said, you know, God wouldn't allow someone to catch leprosy unless they did something really bad. To get such a terrible disease must mean that they deserved it, and God was punishing them by giving them this terrible disease. Of course, we know today in the modern world with medicine and and science, people get diseases all the time. Good people suffer from terrible diseases all the time. It has nothing to do necessarily with their moral character. It's just germs and disease, and it spreads that way. Sometimes somebody could be incredibly good and caring individual who's actually caring for someone else that's sick, and they get sick because they've been exposed to them. We know that now, but they didn't know that then. They thought someone got sick, it was because of their deficiency in their moral character. But then in our story, Jesus is different. These ten lepers were in agony, and they were full of shame, and they were outcast, but Jesus knows that this isn't the way God's world is supposed to be. And God knows that these lepers aren't necessarily sick because of something that they've done wrong. It has nothing to do with that. That's not the main point. They are sick because we all live in a broken world. And this just happens to be the way it affected them. And so Jesus came into our broken world to bring God's mercy. He came to forgive sins and to make the broken world right again. And so when the lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, Jesus is glad to heal them. 
The passage doesn't say how Jesus healed them. It seems like it must have just been something instantaneous, something that just happened. Maybe as they turned and began to walk away, that happened. You know, if, if something had happened, there's other places in Scripture where, you know, a guy was blind and it says Jesus spit in the mud and made something and wiped it on the guy's eyes. But in this passage, it doesn't say anything like that. So you would seem to think that if they didn't say he gave a medicine, didn't pray over them, didn't do anything else, then nothing really happened. He just simply told them what to do and they're healed. He said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And they went, and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. That's what it says in verse 14. Well, that tells us two things, important things, I think, for this morning. First of all, when Jesus heals, it doesn't have to be some elaborate ceremony. It doesn't have to require holy oil or music or some fancy prayer. It doesn't even have to happen in a church or in a hospital. It simply takes our desire to be healed and Jesus' power and consent to heal us. And the second thing that the story shows is that healing comes as we obey. Jesus told the lepers to go show themselves to the priests. That's what the Old Testament law that God gave required. When someone had leprosy and then they were healed, they were supposed to go to the priest to be examined. And if, if, they, were, if they were found to be clean and clear of the leprosy, then they were healed. The priest pronounced that they were clean. They returned to their regular life. And so Luke 14 points out, as they went... They were cleansed of their leprosy. So they did have to do something, but it wasn't really much. It was simply obey. Obey what Jesus commanded them to do. He said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. So when we are in need of healing, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual healing, We should take note of these two insights. First, trust in Jesus. Don't expect or need some magical ceremony that makes you feel like healing is taking place. In our religion, in our modern world, we view religion so much as something that we feel. You know, we come to church and especially when we sing these kinds of praise songs, they're, they're designed to evoke within us an emotional feeling. It's not bad. It helps us connect with God in an emotional level. That's good. But that's not what's required for us to have a connection with God. It's a decision you make. It's a choice that you make. God is who he is. And whether you feel it or not, whether he touches you, you feel him touch you, or whether you feel his presence with you here today or not, does not in any way whatsoever change the fact that God is here. His presence is right here today. Don't let your emotions be the things that uh, control you 
If you have a good feeling, you're having a good day. Or if you have a bad feeling, you're having a bad day. No, you are where God wants you to be. And if you're doing what he wants you to do, if you're being faithful, then what you feel doesn't have to control you. And when it comes to healing, Jesus is the one who heals. It's not religious ceremonies that heal. And Jesus is not interested in a fancy religion. Jesus' main concern is bringing the kingdom of God on earth. It's just like the words we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. So there's only two main things that are needed to receive God's healing through Christ. Faith that Jesus is Lord. He has the right, the authority, and the power to heal. And then there is our obedience. We need to do what he says. Now, that doesn't mean that we become, you know, people completely of faith and we're going to reject modern medicine. We're not going to go see doctors and all of that. That's not what I'm saying at all, okay? You know, God has given us these forms. Just like in Jesus' day, what did the lepers have to do? They had to go see the priest, just like society's laws required that they do. Go see the priest and let them pronounce you clean. But who did the healing? Jesus did the healing. And in our day and age, we may need to go to see a doctor. We may need to go see a psychiatrist. We may need to go talk to a pastor or a counselor to get help with our mental and emotional healing. And it's important that we do that. But understanding where, who does the healing? Jesus. Jesus does the healing. We have to trust that he has the power. And we have to obey what he tells us to do. Jesus is powerful. He is full of mercy and grace and kindness and healing. When we don't feel well, when someone we love is in the hospital, we can pray to Jesus. He will always answer us with love. And like the 10th leper, we thank God for healing when we get hurt. Even more, we thank God for taking away our sins because Jesus died on the cross in our place. Jesus healed our sinful lives and he is at work healing our broken world. He forgives us when we make bad choices and, and sin by disobeying him and breaking his commandments. There's one more important principle that I've learned from this story over the years. And I want to share it with you today. I like to call it the one in ten gratitude principle. You see, only one of the ten lepers came back to tell Jesus thank you. And it's not that the other nine weren't grateful. I'm sure that they were thrilled and very thankful that their leprosy had been healed. But only one, a Samaritan, came back to actually say thank you. And that's the way it is 
much of the time in life. Only about one in ten people know how and take the time to really express their thankfulness in ways that tell others that they really are thankful. And I think that this might be a really important principle for all the Vacation Bible School volunteers to understand this week. Our volunteers have already put in a lot of work getting ready for VBS, and they'll put in even more this week. I know Melissa has already done so much work, it amazes me. And uh, I know Robert, her husband, is also an unsung hero in all of this too, because he he works full-time, and um, he's been doing extra work as a dad, taking care of the kids so that Melissa can be free to do what she's doing. And and Melissa works a full-time job, and she's a mom, and she's doing all this. And she's done an amazing job organizing everything and getting it ready so that volunteers just can come in and plug in. She's made it so easy. And we all appreciate her. And all the volunteers this week are going to work really hard, and they're going to be good and tired at the end of the week, and they will be, uh, there will be many who will say thank you to the volunteers, and gratitude always feels good, to know that people appreciate your hard work, and to know that you made a difference. It, it inspires you, and it motivates you to, to serve again. And even if you're not working with Vacation Bible School this week, uh, whatever ways you serve Christ and make a difference in the world, it's nice to be thanked. And moms and dads and grandparents, it's nice to be thanked for all of the things that you do. And you don't always get the thanks that you deserve. And, you know, you think about if you work, People probably don't always tell you thank you enough at work. And sometimes you may feel like uh, your, your good work goes unappreciated. And that's where the one in ten gratitude principle has helped me. You see, only one in ten of the lepers came back to say thank you to Jesus. So here's a little trick that I started doing many years ago in ministry. I always figured that for Every one person who really shows their gratitude well for anything that I've done, there's 10 more out there who are thankful but just didn't say it or they didn't know how to say it in ways that was really meaningful. So I just take the one thanks that I get or every thanks that I get, I take it and in my heart, I multiply it by 10. Multiply it by 10. And that inspires me and motivates me. So if you ever feel like you don't get the thanks that you deserve, you can do that too. Whatever it is, whatever thanks that you do receive, take it and multiply it in your heart by 10. Works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. But it is also healthy to be a thankful person. So I want to close the service today by giving you time to be thankful. For what do you have reason to be thankful today? Are you thankful for your health? Are you thankful for your family, for your church? Is there some one or some different people in your life who you can be thankful for, for what they've done for you? Maybe you could just be thankful 
that we live in, an, in a country where we have the freedom to come and worship and where we are prosperous enough that we can uh, decorate our church for vacation Bible school and invite kids from all over our community to share the love of Jesus with them. So think of the different ways that, that you can be thankful. We can all, of course, be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. For even though we don't deserve it, Jesus left the glory of heaven to come down into our broken world and to begin to make us right, to begin to make our world right. And he even humbled himself, took the position of a slave, and died a criminal's death on the cross, not because of anything that he had done wrong, but in order to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God and we can have eternal life. And we can all be thankful for that. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's take 60 seconds to speak with God right now and thank him for all that we have to be thankful for.